Welcome to Unstoppable You with Christine Patton. Does it seem like something could be holding you and your business back from your dream of great success? Can you put your finger on what that is? In today's show, you'll learn the tools and patterns that will guide you toward the success that you dream of. Now, here is your host, Christine Patton. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the second show of Unstoppable You. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Christine Patton, and I'm your host. And this show is where we discuss lasting strategies for empowerment, resilience, and passion to conquer the game of business and, well, your life. Last day, if you listened in, you will have heard a rather lengthy monologue. Sorry about that. That included my life story with an emphasis on my life patterns that had been revealed to me quite recently from my barbecue oracle. This was by design, the monologue, I mean, to help you see that your life has already been rich with great choices and patterns that have brought you to where you are today, but ready for more. You have graduated and you're preparing for the next leg, or you wouldn't have been brought here to listen to this show. So something else to get excited about, I decided to launch a contest. Woohoo! Who doesn't like a contest? And here's what it entails. You will receive a full module of my Elite Performance Plan for free, which is a $1,500 value. If you engage with me on either of my Power Within Coaching Facebook page or my personal Facebook page, and it's Chris Patton, not Christine, and my company is Power Within. And both links are on my host page at voiceamerica.com. Every show... I will leave you questions to ponder on the week and on the show and on my Facebook page. If you engage every week, your name will be entered into the contest for free coaching in either the Empowerment or Resilience module. And I'll let you know in January if you've won. So thanks very much for thinking about that. Uh, It'd be great to work with you. I urge you to check out my website for more information on the Elite Performance Plan, and it's www.powerwithin.ca. So today, I have a rare treat for you. My guest today is Scott Patton. Welcome to the show, Scott. It's a real pleasure to have you here. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. By way of introduction, Scott is one accomplished young man. You're going to see why. He's a former junior hockey player, an experienced physical trainer and coach who is the creator of the Daily Optimization Program, a former biomedical student at the University of Waterloo, a serial entrepreneur with two companies to his credit, and a fantastic resource for credible scientific-based research for all things health, wellness, and vitality. And in fact, he's my guru. And moreover, he has tested all these theories in the laboratory of his own body and life. Is that a fair introduction for you, Scott? Absolutely. At heart, I'm an experimentalist. I love the process of trying things out, seeing how I react to them, and then trying to find the scientific explanations for whatever I'm feeling. Very cool. And, you know, it makes sense to be that way because not every theory or plan works with everybody, everybody. And we have to see what what feels right for us first. So today's topic is kindness, the secret to vitality. I can't wait for you to hear what he has to say about this impactful topic in our world today, because so many of us are searching for clues as to how to feel better, right? To, To gain more energy, feel vital, and to look younger. (laughs) Big one, right? Mm -hmm. This is so important in many spheres today. Absolutely. Okay, what I'd like to do is to read the description again so that all of you listeners today can gain a foothold in today's topic. Kindness is the force which facilitates the optimal functioning of our bodies. In its fundamental form, kindness is not an ideal or an act, but a state of being 
Hence the terminology in quotations, be kind. When we embody kindness, we alter every cellular and organ system in our body, which allows for growth, restoration, and repair. Kindness is merely one of the several renewing energetic states that is conducive for thriving. And through conscious focus and continual practice, it is possible to chronically maintain an energetically renewed state of being to prepare us for the diversity of life's chaotic moments. So for the benefit of you listeners, Scott and I are both HeartMath practitioners. I am a certified trainer with the HeartMath Institute of California. We've both had some years to integrate heart math research and techniques into our lives. And we've both had a real opportunity to experience the tangible, visceral benefits of living a heart-based life. And further, you know, we know that kindness, love, compassion, care, and gratitude are really at the core of heart-based living. Would you agree with that, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. And in using that terminology, kindness, love, compassion, I would say these are all different expressions of what you might call heart-based living. And one thing that I really admire about heart math is that they are showing <laughs> scientifically what happens to our cells, our organs, and our body when we adopt things like kindness or appreciation. Exactly. And so, you know, when we use words like kindness or appreciation, they're really just sounds. You know, they're just a sound that I make. But the reason that you understand them is because you've experienced the different feelings and sensations associated with each one of those. So it's kind of a funny point. You probably wouldn't understand if I were to say, I am feeling shabuber today because you don't have a feeling or you don't have a sensation to relate to that sound. Well, it's just kind of weird like you, Scott. So I wouldn't really, that wouldn't fit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why I'm feeling shabuber today. Okay. Right. So, you know, when we're saying kindness, uh, we're saying appreciation, these are feelings and they're unique feelings. That's why we have unique sounds for them. So we know that kindness feels different than, let's say frustration or anger feels different than hope. So what's mm -hmm. interesting to come to understand is when we make these sounds, let's say of, of kindness or appreciation, there are feelings associated with them in the body. When you can feel a change in your body, let's say the change or the difference from kindness to anger, that means that our body is changing. And it's not just one part of our body that's changing, it's everything. Hmm. Your blood pressure, your hormones, your insulin levels, you know, your heart beating, your digestive system, your immune system. It's not only that, but the way you talk, how you sound, the way you move. You know, hmm. like, let's say when you walk in a room, can't you just tell what state someone is in just by watching them, maybe hearing them talk? Well, you, you feel really them. We, act, we actually feel people before we know anything about them. And, and not many people realize that. We have that instrument. Right. And the way that we take in information is, is so complex with our body. We have so many sensors. But it's just interesting to note that when you walk in a room, you can really pick up on someone kind of immediately. You can see what state they're in just by kind of even something simple as how they're moving. And so the first really interesting point I want to make is when we use words, let's say like kindness, what we're actually describing is a state of being. Hence why we say, can't we all just be kind? Because essentially all measurable aspects of you change in a state of kindness. Therefore, kindness can be seen as a force that runs every single cell, organ and system of the body. It's measurable, again, on every aspect, whether we're talking blood pressure, hormones, chemical signals that roam around your body. 
all the way down to your DNA and how it's expressed. Mm -hmm. When we embody these different states of being, we literally become physical reflections of them. When we embody kindness, we physically reflect kindness. When you embody anger, you physically reflect anger. That's why, again, when you walk in a room, you can see someone, you know, they're being kind or they're being angry. Now, the real kind of take-home point from this is these different states of being have very different biological outcomes or cellular consequences, which is a fancy way of saying health outcomes. So states of being, let's say of kindness, have measurable immediate health outcomes. Wow. So let me ask you this. Have you noticed that your health, wellness, and vitality has improved considerably since your practice with HeartMath has begun? I mean, I know you do a lot of things to ensure success in those areas, but has have you noticed that achieving a state of heart coherence on a regular basis has really put a finer point on all of that? I mean, I sure have. And I guess we've achieved a balance in the physical system, well, all of our systems. So what have you noticed? First of all, absolutely. Um, and to, to make this kind of very simple, health, I'd say, is a summary of all the different functions and systems in your body. As you practice the heart math techniques, what you do is you get better at allowing all of the functions and systems to work properly. You can think of it like you just get better at allowing. You're not necessarily controlling anything. You're letting the intelligent systems run properly. So when you think about all the automatic processes in the body, whether it's digestion, breathing, heart pumping blood, you know, wound healing, there are certain states of being which are more conducive to restoration and repair, which is essentially health. And here's why. So to begin with, think of energy as currency in the body. There is a limited supply, hence why you have to eat all the time. And when you spend it on certain things, there is less currency for other things. So our nervous system, which is responsible for taking in reality, making meaning of it, figuring out what it means, and then responding to it. And we have a mammalian nervous system. It's the same nervous system that we share with monkeys, horses, bears, your dog. And the really interesting thing is that the default state of our nervous system is set up to maximally conserve energy because it allows us to maximally grow and repair and restore. Very simple. With energy as currency, the more energy we have or the more energy we can serve, the better we function as living beings. That's an important point to make, right? This is about Absolutely. what's in our storehouse for use. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And you know, one one really cool point is a major difference between human beings and technology, right? Let's say a phone battery. When your phone is at 90%, 60%, 40%, 10%, your phone will function the same. That is totally not true of human beings. A human being at 80% mm -hmm. is radically different than a human being at, let's say, 50% or 40%. True. You know, Snickers figured this out. You're not you <laughs> when you're hungry, right? It's like when we're, when we're hangry or when we're tired, we function totally different. It's because we have less energy and therefore we can't spend it on all the things that really we want to. Right. So essentially that's all well and good, right? When we're in a good state, we're maximally conserving energy. That energy is using or being used for repair to restore us. However, when your safety is threatened in life, 
you need every ounce of energy to get you back to safety. So let's just say, you know, a tiger is chasing you. You have one objective and that is to stay alive. So you can't use your precious energy on digestion or healing wounds. So essentially what this all means is when we talk about these different states of being, think of kindness or appreciation or calm or anger or frustration, rage, whatever it is. These different states of being dictate how energy is used in our body. Man, I love the phone analogy. That is so cool. We're not machines, you know, and I think we get lost in our heads and figure, well, I, I have I have 20% energy because you know you're, you don't feel well, but I'm going to take on this huge project anyway. And then we just run ourselves into the dirt and then we wonder why we get sick. That's so good. It's true. We're not machines. We really have to, we're, we're complex miracles that need to be managed, right? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. I think machines, whether it's your computer or a phone, you know, they can provide really good metaphors to us as human beings as ways to understand ourselves. Um, but there are also key points of difference, which are important to point out is, um, you know, because they do have real world effects for us. Right. And, you know, in <clears> fact, with because energy is the precious currency in our body, right. our nervous system is always going to try and use that energy to take care of us. We need to rebuild broken things. We got to heal things. Even digestion, it takes a lot of energy. If you ever, you know, when you eat, eat a huge meal and you feel really tired afterwards, all the energy, all the blood's gone to your stomach because you got to digest the food. So even that takes a lot of energy. Right. You know, your immune system, it requires energy. And when there is plenty of energy, your immune system is really quite phenomenal at doing its job. The cool thing is that you can feel your body. You can feel when your energy is being used in a way that is renewing. And this is the first word that I really want people to remember is renewing. We can feel our bodies, whether we're talking about appreciation, kindness, calm, peace. Right. They all are different, but there is something uniting them. There is something in common, and that is we feel renewed when we embody these states. Now, it also is important to realize that our nervous system, which takes in information, makes meaning of it, and then responds to it, while it's scanning our environment, if it determines there is threat in our environment, the system right. in us or the systems which renew us, they get deactivated and the system which prepares us to fight or run away gets turned on. So in a simple sense, a human being can and will flow from renewing states to states which are preparing us to fight or run away. Now, the problem is when those states that prepare us to fight or run away because they take so much energy, Right. It's like when someone gets you extremely mad, you can feel that in your body. It's kind of like the metaphor I like to use is when you put your pedal to the metal, you run your body at 7000 RPM. Well, you run out of gas pretty quick. And so we have renewing states, but we also have depleting states. And as a human being, you'll flow back and forth from states that renew you to states that deplete you and back and forth. Now, the mammalian nervous system in all of its evolutionary brilliance, it's set up so that when we are in these renewing states of being, think kindness, you actually prevent and you deactivate the energetically costly systems, think rage, think anger, from being turned on. It's an energy exchange. Oh, I never knew that. So, okay, so tell me, describe the signs or feelings that we should know when we're draining energy and quickly. Sure. You feel hot. 
you feel your heart beating fast and powerfully, your thoughts race, you get sweaty palms. Essentially, it's like everything in your body gets rapidly accelerated. And again, I just think it's such a perfect metaphor. It's like putting the the pedal to the floor in a car and driving at 7,000 RPM. (laughs) Everything gets used up extremely, extremely quickly. Now, with the pedal to the floor, that is one version of us. It's the version where everything moves at rapid speeds. It prepares us to fight or to run. Excuse me. From a biology standpoint, I really want to explore where these different versions come from because this is just mind-blowing. Yeah, this is cool. Okay, so in my molecular biology class, what we are taught is that the average human body has about 50 trillion cells. Now, that it literally is incomprehensible. That's 50,000 yeah. billion cells. It's, yeah, it's I can't wild. even comprehend that. Yep. Now, what we're also told, and unfortunately, this was kind of grazed over in our class, was that in each cell, there is on, or there is not on average, but in each cell, there is about two meters of DNA. So you have, on average, 50 trillion cells with two meters of DNA. That means every beautiful human being that you lay eyes on has, on average, 100 trillion meters of DNA in their body. Now, here's where it's really cool. It's, it's honestly, it's truly bizarre. As we've started to realize over the number of the past decades, this DNA, it acts as a blueprint for our body. Now, this blueprint gets unlocked and expressed when we are in different states of being. Now, this is called epigenetics. Perfect. Essentially, the environment that we are in greatly changes what genes are being turned on and off. Now, here's where the real kind of key interesting part is. We have an ability to change how we perceive our environment. So to use, let's say, esoteric words, do we look upon the world with kindness or anger? You see- That's kind of like, sorry, what Dr. Wayne Dyer said, and I think he took it from Albert Einstein. Do you view your world as friendly or hostile? Right? Same idea. Absolutely. It really is miraculous that, yes, we do have a little bit of automatic process, right? When a tiger is coming at you, it's a pretty good thing that you want a little bit of automatic kick on for your system. That's going to help you get away to safety. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, at least in my life, I don't have a tiger coming after me or chasing me. I do have some ability to choose how I perceive my environment. So when we're talking about embodying a state of being, Another way of saying that is consciously interpreting the world in different ways. So how does that relate to DNA? Well, when we consciously choose to embody states of kindness, or we, when we consciously choose to perceive the world with kindness, we literally measurably change how the 100 trillion meters of living blueprint is unlocked and expressed. This 100 trillion meters of the living updating blueprint is unlocked by choosing different states of being. And again, sometimes it's automatic, like when we're getting attacked, that's a very good thing, but that's not always the case. Right. So to kind of to recap where we're at here, if we have limited energy in the body and it's either used internally to rebuild and restore and renew us, or it's used externally to fight or to run away from things. And we have the ability as human beings most of the time to consciously choose how we perceive or how we look at reality. 
it is so cool to understand that the way we choose to perceive reality has measurable consequences for how we use our precious inner currency, our energy, and how we unlock and express our living updating blueprint that is DNA. That is so cool. <clears throat> you know, this reminds me, um, your reference to epigenetics. This is a field that's been made knowable, um, and he's not the only one, but made knowable by Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is a cell biologist and a speaker trainer, just a delightful man. And the bottom line, right, is we get to choose our emotional states and our health. And this is this statement, I think it's important for us to make today, that we choose it by our activities, our behaviors, our thoughts, our feelings, our words, all of that, Right. Absolutely. It's so empowering to know this. And what Dr. Bruce Lipton really made clear was essentially two things. A, we seem to have at least some ability to choose the thoughts we think, the way we feel, and our actions. And then with practice, consciously choosing our thoughts and feelings and our actions has measurable changes in the body. Like, go figure, right? Right. Now, once you accept that we do have some ability to choose what thoughts we have and what feelings we have and, and what feelings we engage with and along with our actions, the real question is, how do we practice this? And right. here is a real beautiful heart math connection. If you go back to the, the 60s, running recreationally, like just going for a jog, that was super weird. <laughs> Normal people didn't do it. Freaks. Yeah, the, the 1968 and 1968, New York Times ran a piece about the handful of freaks who, cho- who chose to run in their free time. And it's, it's so strange to hear nowadays because it just, it makes so much sense. It's practical. It feels good. Right. And what we're seeing is the exact same trend happening with meditation because of organizations like HeartMath. They're taking what was not too long ago, you know, woo woo and hippie and weird And they're simply just demonstrating how insanely simple and practical it is to adopt these practices. And And again, simple, yet powerful and very practical. Absolutely. Exactly. The the actual practice itself, it's a practice because it's, it's never something you get perfect at, but the, the implementation into your life is simple. And, you know, as, as we've, you probably noticed already, I love using metaphors with the body. And when it's such a complex system, it really helps to understand So imagine, if you will, that life is an ocean and we are boats in the ocean. Sometimes life is going to be chill and easygoing in the same way that an ocean is sometimes going to be steady and still. Other times, life is going to be hectic and chaotic, just like the ocean. And as boats in the ocean, essentially, we have to deal with it and there's no getting around it. So we're left with two choices. One, do we continually blame the ocean We complain about the ocean. We get mad when it gets chaotic. And when it's calm, (laughs) because we know eventually it's going to get chaotic again, are we worried and then anxious just because we know that another huge wave is coming? It's like we go from complaining and anger and frustration to, you know, panicking and worried that the next time it's going to come around, you're going to get, you know, mad again. Yeah. And there's no break. There's no break. It's just back and forth between depletion or do you eventually accept the unpredictable nature of the ocean? And you build, or life, <laughs> or life, and from that you build a big, strong, steady boat. And this is a real core concept of resilience. Resilience is simply accepting the fact that we can't control life and everyone in it. I mean, imagine like putting out a Facebook post saying, "I need everybody when they meet me to say these certain things, 
and look this certain way and agree with me and smell exactly how I want you to. And oh, by the way, the weather needs to be perfect. And while someone's out of, you know, bring me a cookie. Like that's, What's you know, wrong it's, with that? What's wrong yeah, with that? Yeah, yeah. well, you can try it. Good <laughs> luck with that. If you can somehow manage all the weather and all the people, right. you know, all the power to you. But the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, we, no, we can't. And I think most people have understood that. But what we can do is we can control ourselves in our response to life and, and those around us. And resilience is getting knocked over by the ocean again and again and continually building a more stable boat. Then you get knocked again and you build a more stable boat. Sorry, boat. And this is the practice of life, if you will. Eventually, your boat gets more and more and more stable. And you get to the point that when a wave comes, you feel it, but quickly and swiftly return to a level state. It doesn't rock the ship, so to speak. Right. And you know, this is, it's a core tenet of heart math because ultimately resilience doesn't belong to science or religion or spirituality or myth or anything like that. Right. Here's, here's a real kind of key point. Resilience is simply the universal tool which allows you to manage your energy and your inner currency. Perfect. It's a practice. It is a practice of letting go and returning to a more stable baseline. Now, just kind of before we go to commercial here, I want to connect this to the mammalian nervous system the con- because the concept of resilience is literally built into your nervous system. Mm-hmm. So to use real accurate scientific neuroscience words, as a mammal, when we are in a, how should we say, renewing state, the ventral vagal complex, as coined by Dr. Stephen Porges, it's this myelinated portion of the vagus nerve. And if people remember from biology, The vagus nerve is the main nerve of the parasympathetic nervous system. The rest and digest, the one that renews us. This vagal ventral complex regulates the rate at which our heart beats. When we are in a renewed state, it is sending signals to our heart to be relaxed and calm, allowing us to be present and engage with life. Now, here is the cool part. When we encounter something that throws us off, say someone cuts you off in traffic or your boss is something nasty to you, Before you activate the energetically costly system of fighting or running away, what you do is you take the vagal break off the heart. So the vagus nerve kind of comes off. And essentially in that moment, you are between renewing and depleting states. Hmm. It's a disengagement system that gives you time to take a moment, regain your stability and re-engage with that renewing state without dipping into your precious bank account. That is so cool. You know, heart math calls that the choice point. And it's so important to know, really know, right, that we all have the ability and opportunity and obligation, I'm going to suggest, to choose not only our physical state, but our emotional and thought states every moment that create our physical states. And that's the choice point, really important. Absolutely. And it's important to know that when you're choosing your emotional state, you're also choosing your physical state because they're interlinked. And, you know, especially when it comes to resilience, I think we've all realized in 2020, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that (laughs) life is unpredictable. And unless we have these practices of stability, we constantly spend all of our precious energy going back and forth between fighting and running, depletion, depletion, day after day. And people make the joke that they're just simply tired of life. Oh my, this is so poignant today. You know, I've had many of my coaching clients say to me, I'm tired of being tired. So true. Um, So many people are burned out these days. That's the idea of burned out. You know, the candle that just kind of sputters out. 
And, but, but at least they're recognizing it's time to do something about it. That's the important first step, right? Absolutely. And on this last point, before we go to break, I want to make it very clear. Resilience does not mean, you know, jumping from worn out to being completely enthusiastic. It is stability. <laughs> right. It's the waves of life will still knock against your boat, but you don't freak out when they do. Right? Every time a wave comes, you don't go down a long winding journey and getting empty at the end. So with more practice, you get better at disengaging with that thing that throws you off. You regain your stability and you re-engage with the state that continually renews you. God, that's so beautiful. And I, and I love that this is an empowering thing. This isn't just another thing that we have to do. This is totally empowering. Right. So don't go away to our listeners. We will be back with more on mastering our emotional states in order to master our health. We'll come back with the idea of performance and how necessary mastering our emotional states is to performing to our potential. We'll be right back in a second. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Unstoppable You. To reach Christine Patton or her guest on the show today, Please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email during the week to chris at powerwithin.ca. Now, back to Unstoppable You. And we're back. We're here with Scott Patton, if you're just joining us who is fascinating us with his wisdom on gaining mastery of our emotional states and how it translates in our body. And we ended in the idea of performance. So storing our energy currency, Scott, is for more than just dealing with upsets that life brings us, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It has everything to do with the way we feel, the way we perform in every aspect of life. Right. Now, as we were talking about with resilience, the, one of the most fascinating parts as human beings and I think where the story becomes really, really interesting is when we consider the human mind. And one of the things that as scientists really credit human beings for is we have the ability for abstract thought. That is, we can think of the past, which no longer exists, and we can contemplate the future, 
which doesn't yet exist. And it might seem strange, but even though you can think of the past and the future as just stories, they are incredibly real in the same sense that something like kindness is real because your body responds as if it is real. Right. There's, there's a quote that I really like. It says, if you are depressed, you are living in the past. And if you are anxious, you are living in the future. Right. Neither of which exist in the present moment, right? Exactly. And yeah, right. It's, it's not a, that's not a clinical diagnosis, but there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, one of the interesting ways to prove this to yourselves is think about watching a scary movie. You can be sitting on your couch in the comfortable couch, maybe drinking a nice beverage, very quiet, calm home. When there's a scary movie playing on the screen, your imagination goes to that character and puts yourself in that scenario. And you can be completely freaked out and paralyzed with fear. Right. right? In, in your present environment situation, there's absolutely nothing. It's all calm. But in your imagination, because you're imagining yourself in the scenario, you literally get turned on. You can feel your blood rushing. You can feel you just tensing up. These, this abstract human mind is incredibly complex with the past and the future, but it is also real because our bodies are responding to it. Right. And this is why resilience is such an important skill for this exact reason. Because as human beings, we are the CEO of our body. We are responsible for managing our inner currency. And it's just so interesting to start to become aware of what actually sets us off into these depleted states where we really quickly spend our currency. And, you know, one of the best scenarios I could essentially come up with this is, let's say you get to work and in the morning, your boss makes a rude comment, let's say at 9 a.m. Now, the comment may have only lasted like 20 seconds. And if you have an ignorant boss, one of the most unfortunate parts of dealing with ignorant people is that they're ignorant to their ignorance, right? (laughs) Right. So your boss makes the comment and it lasts 20 seconds. And then, you know, he or she forgets about it like 10 seconds later. But your mind and the imagination, they keep playing that story over and over and over all the way to lunch. It was 20 seconds long. Mm -hmm. However, the fact that this story is playing over and over and over, it's like a continual 20 second repeat, which means your negative feedback loop. Absolutely. That's that's exactly what it is. And the unfortunate part is that your body is responding to it as if that same 20 second scenario is continuing in your environment over and over and over. You just like spiraling off momentum. By the time you get to lunch, you feel totally depleted. It's like you've been angry for three hours and that's a tough state to be in for so long. Right. So, You know, with these heart math resilience techniques, when that 9 a.m. rude scenario plays out, you find a way to bring yourself back to the present moment. And just minutes later, you're back to that renewed state of, you know, you can call it calm, appreciation, kindness. And this is a little bit what we touched on earlier. This vagus nerve, this default state of our nervous system, it has to do with how mammals engage with each other. That break, when we're in that disengagement moment between renewing and depleted states. Mm -hmm. If we are really practiced at these resilience techniques, we have that kind of inner inner moment where we can regain our stability, reinstate that renewing state. And then we don't go on this kind of long depleting, you know, spiraling journey. Right. And it's a choice. Again, it's a choice. It's a difficult choice and it gets easier in practice. Yeah, exactly. It's, and it gets, it gets easier and easier. You see, it's, you can think of your body as like an energetic bank account. 
And I would encourage people not to overspend on situations in life where you don't need to overspend. Don't overspend your inner energetic currency on situations which aren't really worth that much. You wouldn't pay a million dollars for pancakes. I'm, I'm guessing so because they're not really worth that much in the external environment. Right? Okay. You don't want to completely enter your bank account on situations which don't really cost or aren't really worth that much. Yeah, so I guess the starting point of that is is going over those types of situations that you regularly freak out about and then decide, look, this isn't worth my time or my energy and to really categorize those things. So it's really, there, there's some preparation maybe there, right? Is to go over those things and be prepared for next time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, whether you look at it's stoicism, um, which is a whole type of philosophy, whether you look at samurais, you know, the, the ancient samurais before war, this is a strange practice, but they would go over all the brutal ways which they could be killed in their mind. Really? And yeah. And the reason they would do that is so when they actually get to those situations in life, they've mm-hmm. already been in that state so that they don't have their freak outness about it. It's like they've already kind of gotten over it. And it was a practice. Yeah. There was, yeah. um, I'm forgetting his name, but there was someone who said that the reason we think is that your thoughts can die and you don't. And what that essentially means is because we have this abstract, imaginative human mind, right. we can play out scenarios in our mind, we can feel it in our body, and we can actually practice those scenarios in our body. What, what resilience really is, is the ability to hold the same thought, but lose the freak outness about it. Yeah. And you can do this with our abstract mind and imagination, whether it's meditation or other techniques. So what that means is you can practice different scenarios of your boss saying nasty things to you. And look, being resilient does not mean you're ignorant and it does not mean you're forgetful. It means you can maintain that same information coming at you, but you don't overspend and you don't deplete your energetic bank account. Right. And simple. It's, yeah, it's, it's simple in, in practice. concept. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Easier said than done. As oh, yeah. Don't we know? So there's, you know, there, there really is no aspect of life that is separate from this resilience kindness discussion. And there's, there's one really kind of key thing that I want to touch on. And this goes back a little bit to my past. I was a former strength and conditioning coach at Next Level Performance Training. A little bit of a plug for a training facility in Cambridge, but it was a home for me. They're incredible with everything they do. And when I got to Agreed. work there, I got to interact with everyone from, you know, seven, eight, nine-year-olds who are just learning to use their body to NCAA D1 division, like championship athletes, to professional hockey players, even working with a guy in the NHL. And so I really have firsthand experience working out with an athlete. You might think that kindness has really nothing to do with, you know, someone who's an athlete because an athlete has needs big muscles and kindness is just about being sweet to people. turns out it's really not the case. And I want to reference a heart math study. It's called the impact of a new emotional self-management program on stress, emotions, heart rate variability, DHEA, and cortisol. So HeartMath did a study with 45 people for one month. They used 15 people as controls, and all that means is they didn't do anything to those 15 people, so that when you actually do something to the other people, you can kind of see what the difference is. 15 people were controls, 30 people, the other 30, were taught, and I'm going to call it like an airy-fairy esoteric technique called the cut-through or the heart lock-in. And as far as I understand, essentially, these are just simple tools which allow people to return to a more positive state of being when a negative one comes up. 
So here is the scientific experimental evidence after just one month of practicing resilience, not being incredibly good at it, but just the initial month of practicing resilience, not by experts or ascended masters. And I'm making that point purposely. Yeah. All of us, right? All of us at the end of the month, on average with the 30 people who are practicing, maintaining a positive state, there was a 23% reduction in cortisol which is what we call the stress hormone. If that's not amazing enough, better yet, on average, there was an average of a 100% increase in salivary DHEA. This means that on average, by simply being positive, the participants doubled their DHEA levels. DHEA is a precursor hormone to testosterone. So the study said, and I quote, DHEA was significantly and positively correlated to the affective state, warm heartedness. So what they've done is they doubled the precursor to testosterone in a month by warming your heart. So it starts to become so interesting because these states of being, let's say like kindness or calm or peace, they're simply human renewing states, which apply in every single aspect of life. Like if you're an athlete and you work out in the morning and you need to build muscle and recover from your workout, what do you think happens when you finish your workout in the morning, you go home and you watch the news, which terrifies you. Then you fight with your mom then you get cut off in traffic and you spend the next hour angry. And then, you know, you fight with your boss all day. What you're doing is you're activating those depleting states. You're using up all of your inner currency. How much is really left over to rebuild your body? Exactly. And then the damage you've done in your workout, right? Which needs to be rebuilt. Absolutely. Now mm-hmm. it's, it's not just athletes, but again, it's, it's every single profession, whether you're a comedian, a speaker, a lawyer, a doctor, essentially, if you have a mind and you have a body, this is the same mind and body that you take with you in your profession. So if you're a lawyer and you want to dominate in a courtroom, you're going to want a lot of energy to do so. Do you think that you can deplete yourself all morning all the time. And it's very different things that deplete us. It might be the news. It might be a song. It might be whatever it is. The, the thing that your partner said to you in the morning, it doesn't matter. You can feel your body. And if it's depleting you, that means there's less energy in your bank account for when you really want to own the moment. Right. So it, uh, it's one thing that has really, really, really helped me in my life. And You know, throughout this discussion, I've been using kindness as a placeholder for any emotion or feeling which is essentially renewing. And again, we can feel those, whether it's being at peace, being appreciative, being playful. And I really urge people to understand that when you embody these renewing states, let's say it's kindness, it's the most selfish thing that you can possibly do. It's your energy, it's your currency, and you get to choose how it's spent. Now, What I'm going to say may sound at first, perhaps a little woo-woo or hippie, kind of like esoteric nonsense, but just hear me out. When we embody these renewing states, let's say when we're being kind, we are retaining our inner power. Kindness and appreciation retain our power. So let's explore this for a second. Let's say a dictator wants to take over a population. They're going to take over a population they need to make their, the people they're trying to take over insubordinate, right? They, may, they need to make them or subordinate, sorry. 
they need to essentially disempower the people that they're trying to dominate. Do they do that through making their people feel loved and through showing kindness and respect? Or does the dictator try and terrify the people they're trying to dominate? So, so what you're saying is kindness and respect will empower the people and they will fight back. But when you terrorize people, you're draining them so that they're more easily controlled and subjugated. That's what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, you know, even take the word terrorist. The root word is terror. So speaking, again, from a neuroscience, neurological, quote unquote, science standpoint, we have two systems for responding to danger. We have the fight or flight system, which floods our body with energy. And we have a more ancient primitive system of freezing. Now, obviously, the, the living beings, the most primitive ones, had to evolve a better way of dealing with danger than just shutting down and freezing. And this is when we use words like, I was struck by fear. I was paralyzed with fear. You just can't move. Right. Well, that's not going to work very long. The next best system is fighting or running away. Here is the problem. Again, you have an energetic bank account that gets depleted when you do this. So when the dictator is trying to take over people, yeah, you might think, well, I can just kind of fight back. And there is some truth to that. The problem is, as we've discussed many times, because the energetic currency is limited in the body, there is only so many times that we can deplete that bank account before it literally becomes empty. And exactly. What, so for how long can I keep that up? How long? And you might think it's forever, but that's, it's not true. And like this is seen in everything from MMA fighters to post-traumatic stress disorder, um, people with schizophrenia. Now, I've even heard Joe Rogan, the famous Joe Rogan, reference mm -hmm. what he calls the adrenaline dump. And right. this is where MMA fighters, they stay in that crazy, highly energetic state for so long leading up to the fight that during the most intense, life-threatening situation of a cage fight, during that fight, these fighters crash in the middle because their bodies have nothing left. So right. it's the same idea with chronic stress that plagues our Western world. When we flow from depleted state to depleted state to depleted state, look, we're, there's just nothing left to give. So right. essentially what that means is as we are being kind, we retain our power. And it's really important to realize that in the good moments of life, we want to be fully present, fully engaged, dancing with our spouse, the big championship game, the courtroom, being on a wonderful radio show with someone that you love. You want <laughs> yes, to be able yes. to own the moment and you need energy to do that. And with more energetic currency in our bank account, the better moments in life are better and the bad moments in life are less bad. It's true. And you know, the definition that HeartMath gives to resilience uh, includes the idea of preparation for. So this doesn't come accidentally. It's not magic. It just doesn't suddenly occur. You can't pull it out of your pocket when you need it. This is a matter of working on it, sustaining it, and keeping it going, which is sustainability, I guess. But yeah, it's the idea of preparation. We really have to capture the moment and use it wisely. Absolutely. And you don't want to start practicing when you don't want to start you building your stable boat when you're in the middle of a crazy storm. storm. Right. 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 You, you want to take it when you're in a good state, practice that when you get there, again, you're just stable. You can retain your power. And there's that translation of energy. You remember where you were in that stable moment and you use it when you need it. Right. Fair say. Exactly. Exactly. The more you <laughs> save your money, the more you can choose to spend it wisely. On you pancakes or not? Yeah, on pancakes. Those million-dollar pancakes. Man, I hope they're good. <laughs> they better be good. <laughs> um, so, 
you know, when we're talking about all this, there's a quote that I really love. If you want a new idea, read an old book. Mm-hmm. The, the idea of kindness and appreciation, they go back as far back as we can document. And remember, it's no secret that everyone who has ever preached or taught these principles also had a human body. Right. When you read about history, and I'm no history buff, but from what I've come to understand, it is riddled with war and violence and disease and sickness and natural disasters and, you know, people who are just downright malevolent and evil. Right. And it is really insane to realize that even throughout the brutalness of human history and how tough it was, these principles of kindness, let's say, they persisted through. And I just, I think it's so important to make the point that kindness and forgiveness, they're not religious or spiritual ideas. And even today, after we just barely graze the surface of the neuroscience behind social mammal engagement, like there's a whole section of science which details why mammals thrive in environments when they are cared for and loved. Yes. That being said, kindness and forgiveness, they're not scientific principles either. Like kindness is a universal matter of fact principle for anyone who has a mammalian nervous system. And it's again, the same system which regulates your dog. Now on kind of a cute point for anyone that has a dog, watch what happens when they do something like run into a door. You know, they, they, they don't see it there. They run into the door. What they do is they look confused for a sec, they shake it off, and then they just go back to whatever they were doing. Right. They don't dwell on it. They don't, they're not in that native feedback loop the whole morning. <laughs> no, exactly. They don't, they, they don't carry that forward. And that's the thing. Humans are different. We have these complex, abstract human minds, and we can carry that trauma and project it into the future. And I think this is the perfect segue into your next conversation with Deborah Rosman, the CEO of HeartMath next week. They are one of the world leading organization that teaches people the incredibly useful and practical skill of resilience. You know, I I really urge people, don't be one of the 1960s people that thinks an enjoyable, useful practice is for weird people. You know, if, if you're into sleeping better, being less tired, enjoying moments more, getting less frustrated, it is simply a skill. And learn the skill. And yes, thank you for that plug. I have Deborah Rosman on the show next week. She's the president and co-CEO of the HeartMath Institute. And she's going to give us all the details of this incredible organization, which is doing amazing work all over the world. You don't want to miss this show for sure. So again, that's next week, Thursday, October 29th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. You will have the opportunity to hear the insights of Deborah Rosman. Perfect. Do I have time for one last point here? Absolutely, you do. Wonderful. And this is, you know, I think this is really an interesting way to wrap it up and hopefully a really interesting point to consider. In, in science, when we use the term evolution, what people often hear with evolution is it's survival of the fittest. When it comes to biology and evolutionary biology, Fittest does not mean jacked. It means the one who can adapt to their environment and make the most of their living situation. So think about right now in Canada, we have taps with running water. We have grocery stores, solidly built homes, police to maintain a safe society. So think in a society in which needs are met where physical safety is the norm, what states of being are most relevant? Right. So just quickly think about your morning so far. Did you build a bed that you woke up in? Did you construct the water piping system that you had your shower in? 
Did you actually hunt and collect your food? Did you build your home? Did you make the clothes that you're wearing? The rare few will maybe have answered yes to like one of those. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Right? But the point is, in our society, we rely on other human beings in such an incredible way, it's hard to put into words. As human beings, we have slowly evolved from small tribes to bigger tribes to townships to cities and nations. It's more and more people working together towards a common goal. At this point in human evolution, it is our ability to channel our energy into communication, which will allow the thriving of the human species of which we are all included. So from a biological evolutionary fitness standpoint, the most relevant expression of a human being is no longer one that allows us to run and fight away. It's our expression or state of being that works best in a cooperative environment. The better that we cooperate, the more we get to enjoy the fruit of everyone's labor or the beautiful, unique contribution of every human being. So to summarize today, when we use resilience techniques to maintain a chronically renewed state of, let's say, kindness, we allow ourselves to retain our inner energetic power. This results in cooperative systems that benefit everybody. This is the ultimate product of millions of years of human evolution. Oh, God, Scott, that is so beautiful to end on the evolution point. Um, and, and we all know, not not only from reading the old books and the new books, but living our lives, we, we live and learn and thrive in community. We're not yeah. meant to do this alone. Absolutely right. not. Exactly. Um, and you're right. We, we, it's like we grease the wheels and we smooth the path when we're better. Yeah. You know, we, we all need to stop asking for everything to be easier. We need to be better. We need to ask how we can be better. And this is definitely one way. Scott, right. I've totally loved everything that you've said today. Um, I'm sure our listeners have gained um, an inestimable uh, amount of wisdom and knowledge to apply in, in their own lives. So thank Thanks. you um, for being here. Um, so a question to leave with our listeners. Um, what do you think? What would you like to ask our listeners to engage in uh, for the contest, to better their lives, to put something into practice? What can sure. you ask? I think we covered a lot of really interesting concepts, whether it's kindness as a state of being, DNA and the 100 trillion meters being unlocked, resilience as a boat in the ocean, the idea of human evolution and how cooperative people are going to be the ones which thrive the best in our environment. What is the thing today which you can apply right away to your life, which you think will have the biggest impact? There are so many points. What works best for you? I'm I'm very curious to hear myself. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a very unique path we're all walking. Listen, I could talk to you forever, Scott. You know that. And I'm so grateful that you could be with me today. You gave our listeners excellent information that was indeed inspiring and thought-provoking. Thank you. I mean, I thought it was inspiring. I do this work all the time. (laughs) So keep up your monumental work, my friend. It is so needed and so valued in our world today. Thank you. I am Christine Patton, your host of Unstoppable You. Every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, we get to be together to discover new strategies of empowerment, resilience, and passion to conquer the game of business and life. 
And this comes to you from Power Within. So check out my website at powerwithin.ca or follow me on Facebook, Chris Patton or Power Within Coaching or find me on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at Chris M. Patton. And don't forget the cool opportunity you have to access free coaching in January just by engaging with me and my Facebook pages with your experience at Unstoppable You. My heartfelt thanks to all of you for joining us today. And thanks again to you, Scott, for your brilliance. Choose a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to Unstoppable You. Please join Christine Patton for another edition of the program next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, take what inspired you today, practice it, and watch how life unfolds for you on your path to success. We'll talk again next week. 